As I mentioned just a few minutes ago, I talked to our missionary Tim Perro the other day, and he mentioned that one of their church people has missed services for a number of weeks. If I remember correctly, it was six services, quite some time. They've discovered that there isn't a problem with the church. This person's not mad at anyone. They're not upset with the doctrine of the church or anything like that. It appears to be that there is some sort of difficulty uh, spiritually and or emotionally. This letter, this, excuse me, this lady who works at the local university spends hours every day surrounded by a variety of social and personal wickedness, all of which tends to drag her down. Uh, she has to deal with the, the woke environment, uh, just all sorts of evil things. There's probably more to the story, but she has hinted to Brother Perro that by the week's end, she is so depressed she can hardly get out of the house even to come to church, even to come to the house of God. Now, it appears to me from my distance that quitting her job would be a good and a proper solution, but I don't have all of the facts. Her son attends that school. There may be some things involved there. I don't know. But even if she must stay where she is, she should at least push through her depression in order to fellowship with other saints, to hear the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God, and to pray with, with other believers. She is contributing to her emotional condition by not taking advantage of the God-designed helps which are available to her. In pushing through her depression, she should be able to find the answer to at least one of the problems that she is facing. Of course, none of us are in her situation. We never get down. We, we never get depressed. We never get beat up. We're not in any, even in a parallel situation, but, but someday you might be. So I'm encouraging you to remember the message this evening, and when that day comes along, maybe it will be of help to you. Yes, As an illustration, I will tell you that several of my ancestors on my mother's side of the family were railroad people way back for more than 100 years. They worked the trains in southern British Columbia, basically north of Spokane, in the mining and logging areas of southern BC. And at least one early uncle of mine worked the main line, the Canadian Pacific Railroad from Vancouver through Canada's Glacier National Park and on up to Field, BC. I have train oil in my blood. I can't put the entire blame on my relatives, but I have a love for trains and particularly steam engines, steam locomotives. One of the things which caught my attention years ago was how these 
old trains, 100 years ago, more than that, 120, 30 years ago, how they dealt with winter. Winter in our part of the world. From Donner's Pass in California to uh, Stevens Pass, Snoqualmie, uh, Sherman Pass in Washington, then on up to uh, Rogers Pass in British Columbia. Trains have had to deal with snowdrifts, sometimes 30 feet high, 40 feet high, at times even 50 feet in height. For those trains, e even in the early days, 120 years ago, waiting for the snow to melt so that the train could get through was not an option. That didn't work. Not only for economic reasons, but at times people's lives were at stake. They needed to get through or these people would uh, freeze to death or perhaps starve if they were caught way up on a pass somewhere in the snow. At first, nearly all locomotives had plows in front. I mean all locomotives all across the country. They weren't called plows. They were called cow catchers. Mm -hmm. It wasn't for pushing the uh, snow aside necessarily, but uh, the buffalo that gets in the middle of the track and the cows that wander up there, the deer and whatnot, these things were designed to push them out of the way to keep the train from uh, derailing, running over these huge bodies. Nearly every train had a cow catcher. Later, special cars were built with huge wedges the size of the train itself. Often these plows had to be pushed by three or four locomotives to get through a six-foot drift or ten-foot, whatever it was. And they used that for some time, and it works pretty well in some areas. And then for a while there was the auger-type snow machine, like what we use for cleaning off our driveway. Perhaps we use, I, I do. That's pretty, pretty much not very, that's not very efficient when it comes to trains. And then a couple of industrious Canadian engineers came up with the rotary uh, means of moving this snow. A rotary plow looks like a huge fan that you might have in your bedroom. It's the size of the train itself and it spins around and it collects the snow and it, it shovels it off over to the side. Huge things. Early on, the rotary blades were driven by steam, but the plow itself, the car itself, had to be again pushed by one, two, three, four locomotives. It, didn't, it couldn't move itself. The steam that was it, gen it was generating was turning this uh, huge wheel. Pushing through, was the only way to get the mail or the cargo or the people to their intended destination. Switching tracks, so to speak, we'll switch back in just a minute. There are scriptures and there are scriptural examples which remind Christians sometimes they need to stand firm. There are quite a few scriptures. Galatians 5.1, for example, says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't slide backwards. Stand fast. We have Daniel's friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, telling Nebuchadnezzar, 
Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Similarly, there was uh, Peter and John, there were Peter and John, who told their persecutors, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Paul, looking at problems of his life, said, none of these move me. I'm standing firm. These things are not going to distract me. There are situations when the saint of God must stand firm. But that doesn't preclude moving forward. In fact, some scriptures talk about standing still and moving forward at the same time. For example, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 ties together standing firm in one way and plowing through in others. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. How can we abound in the work of the Lord without moving, without moving forward, crossing over the uh, Continental Divide, passing through the Jordan River. The Jordan River might be used to illustrate the problems of life. I won't keep you long this evening, but consider this. The Jordan River could picture a flowing downhill economy, sweeping away the Christian's savings and the equity that he has in his property. It could picture the flowing of time, eroding away a person's health and strength. In its violence, the Jordan River might represent the uh, disastrous effects of an evil society. Pictures. The only way for Israel to reach the promised land was to plow into and through the Jordan River. That was the way God directed it. And to do this, we see the priests going first, carrying the symbol of the uh, presence of the Lord. Putting the Lord first, we see stability. And with that stability there planted in the Jordan River, the children of Israel passed on and entered the promised land. What would have happened to that nation if they had stayed on the eastern side of the river? I have no idea. But I don't think it would be good. The Lord wanted them on the other side. So there would have been some judgment there, I suppose. Pushing through was absolutely necessary for the Lord's blessings. Another illustration, if you will permit. It could be that really heavy northwest snowstorm. The really big one. When a winter storm circles around from the southeast, comes up through uh, Wyoming and Colorado and 
heads toward Spokane, heads toward Post Falls, it gets stuck on uh, this range of mountains over here, and most of the snow falls down over there. And then those storms which come in off the Pacific over here, they have to rise up over the Cascades, and very, very often, they dump the majority of their snow over there before they reach us. So we don't get as much as, as Glacier National Park over here, or uh, Stevens Pass. Nevertheless, into every life, a little snow must fall. It does come. We could use snow to illustrate the Christian's periodic cold and depressed heart. There may have been a period when we were on fire for the Lord. When we couldn't contain our zeal, it just exploded out of us. When there was no problem that would not melt under uh, the, the excitement that we had in the things of the Lord. But today, last month, or three months from now, we'll say, three months from now, an avalanche of problems bury us in tons of deadly snow. Or perhaps we're not actually buried, but those problems are looming out there in front of us, keeping our little locomotive uh, stopped in its tracks rather than pushing forward. We're looking at all these, this, this, this avalanche that's crossing the tracks. Debts. They mount, may mount up with single dollar bills, but ones become tens and tens become uh, hundreds and pretty soon we're, we're thousands of dollars in debt. They're a mountain. Health problems can begin as little aches or weaknesses, but then one falls on another along with another and another until it looks like the path is blocked and we're not going any farther than where we are right here. Or one of our favorite loved ones dies. And then a three months, three months later, uh, a good friend of ours passes away, followed by another and another. Grief upon grief cools our hearts. Shouldn't, but this is life we're talking about here. Sometimes it's hard to cope with these things. Ounces are added to other ounces until they become pounds, and here we are, a pound heavier than we intended to be. It depresses some people. Maybe it's successive newscasts. Shouldn't be watching those things in the first place but they just keep pounding away on this horrible thing and that horrible thing and, and Israel and Gaza and, uh, and Trump and Biden and it just goes on and on and it, would, it just knocks us down. There are so many things, potentially, which we might think are keeping us from our intended destination. We should be moving forward, but we're spinning our wheels on this icy patch. 
very often those problems begin small, but they keep adding up, mm. like snowflake upon snowflake upon snowflake. It was one thing after another for Joseph. He was hated. He was betrayed. Then there was servitude. Then there was incarceration. We look at the life of David, one thing after another. When you stop and look at it, it was life, David, but it didn't, it didn't look good for a while. Daniel, it was the same thing. Paul and Peter and James, they all talk about persecution or trials. And sometimes we see them illustrated in those people's lives. Into every life, those snowflakes and those blizzards fall. And at some point, we're going to have to determine to push our way through it. Yes. How do we do that? How do we push our way through depression? Our strength can barely get us over the mountain in good weather. And here we are facing four feet of snow on the track. A couple of things should help to impel us forward. First of all, it's our duty. We have responsibilities to move forward. It's Joshua, be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do all that the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Joshua 1, verse number 7. Notice the command to stay on the track. Not the right hand, not the left hand. Down the track, down the track. Moses said to all Israel, including Joshua, in Deuteronomy 5, 32, Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. There is a track, there is a path, which the Lord wants us to take. There aren't any other options but to go down this path, down this track, or create a big train disaster. On the other hand, it is possible to stay on the track and simply stop. That's not a good option. There are other trains behind us. There, there are going to be problems if we're stopped and we're not supposed to be. We have the command to move up the mountain, up the track which the Lord has laid out for us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us by the Lord. And while it is our duty to carry God's freight to its intended destination, it's not simply a matter of time. It's not a matter of law. Clearing the tracks so other trains get by. It's not about timetables. There is also love. And even a little homesickness, which should keep us moving. This is the Lord's cargo. These are the Lord's people that we're trying to move forward. Christ loves us. We love Christ Jesus. We love these others that are around us. It is quite often selfishness and sinfulness which keeps us from pushing through the blizzard. There should be a spiritual 
homesickness, which helps to impel us forward. I don't want to be stuck here. I want the shelter of the Lord's roundhouse that he's gone to prepare for me. Yes, I know that eventually he will take me to himself. But I'd like to be working in that direction when he does so. Not going that direction and not standing still. Again, someone might say, but how can I get through these huge drifts? He might say, I believe in God's sovereignty. So I believe it's God's will that these problems have affected me. Well, it is. <laughs> or they wouldn't be there. But I hope that you can go beyond that to recognize that God ordains things to test us, to push us, to develop us. The Lord does not want us stuck in this snowdrift. He wants us to turn that rotor on and start moving forward. Remember, God has the fuel and the fireman to stoke your spiritual boiler. And that boiling boil, boiler is the power necessary to move forward even into a snowdrift. It's not about your strength or mine. It's the Lord's power. But we have to engage the gears. We have to release the brake. And the Creator has designed a rotary plow that cut, can cut a swath through 30-foot drifts. I have seen pictures of steam locomotives in channels through the snow that are higher than the, the sides of the, the train. These are old pictures. The Lord has power to deliver us, but a necessary part of that deliverance is for us to move forward. All right, we have the rotary plow spinning away. So what? If we're not digging into the snow, it's not going to throw any snow aside. We have some responsibility here. Moving up the track may be dangerous and nerve-wracking, but it's the only way for the rotor to move the snow. So push through when you think you can't. Because in truth, you can't. But the Lord's back here driving the locomotive, shall we say, pushing us yes. with that rotor into the snow. Paul said to his troubled friends in Philippi, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting the past, those things which are behind, reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And a chapter later he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We don't have to be stuck in neutral. We don't have to be depressed. I'll close with one more illustration. On February 23rd, 1910. 1910 was not a very good year for the Northwest. Mm -hmm. 
On February 23rd, two trains were forced to stop on Stevens Pass, just about the Cascade, I think it's called Cascade Tunnel. The snow was so heavy that uh, one going east and one going west were stopped there. One was a passenger train, the other was a mail train. Stuck there in the snow. They didn't have the desire to push forward, the heart to push forward, maybe they didn't have the power to push forward. While they were sitting there, an avalanche rushed down on them and drove both trains off the track down 100, 150 feet, I forget what it was, down into the uh, river valley down below. 96 people lost their lives that day. It was then the worst train disaster in American history. It is today the worst train disaster in American history. Nearly 100 people lost their lives. If they had been able to move forward, if they had been able to get inside the tunnel, they would have been spared. But they were sitting still. And that's when the snow killed them. Sitting still, for whatever reason, is not a good option for the child of God. Avoiding the house of God in periods of depression or stress is not a good option. If we're too sick to come, that's something else. But if we're just too sad to come, that's, that's disaster. Yes. Avoiding worship, avoiding service will not help us. It only exacerbates the problems that we already have. We need to push forward. Sometimes it takes a little effort. Oh, it always does. But the power is in the Lord.